Do you want to give your own introduction or do you want me to introduce you? My name is Irina Vrotskaya. I'm a linguist. I have an MA degree from San Francisco State University. Right now, I'm a PhD student at Queen Margaret University, and that's in Edinburgh. Technically, it's not in Edinburgh. It's Musselburgh, but they market the campus as an Edinburgh campus. Anyway, mm -hmm. it's not too far from Edinburgh. It's mm -hmm. outskirts. So I live in Scotland, but my accent is American because I spent nine years in total in the States and Canada. I've been running my coaching business since 2017, I believe. I started as a private coach and now I have a school, I have a team. Today we have 13 linguists who help me teach and Russian speakers to speak with an American accent to sound closer to Americans. Most of our clients are people who live in the States or Canada. So they have a purpose. They need to sound more American, to blend in, to feel more comfortable. Just uh, sometimes they just want to know how Americans and Canadians do that. And of course, not all people are in the States and Canada. Some of those just elsewhere, but they're interested. They mm -hmm. speak English. They would like to speak better. Or closer, I don't like this better, worse, but mm -hmm. closer to Americans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's that's my life. And for my PhD, I've been dealing with the so-called voice quality. Tell um, us more about that. Yeah, in very simple terms. I'd like to know if there is any scientific background behind the idea that there is um, some American voice quality or timbre. Mm -hmm, so to say, mm -hmm. but I don't think it's been backed up by hard science, right? Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. it's a lot about our impressions and our feelings, but I'd like to see what's really happening physically. I do think that I change my voice when I speak with an American accent, because when I speak Russian, I sound totally different. And I want to see if it has to do only with the articulation or there is something about the settings of the lower vocal tract. My second question is whether we can scientifically teach that. Ah, uh -huh. as a skill almost. Exactly. So when we talk about articulation, we say, okay, this is the vocal profile. This is your tongue. This is whatever, right? Who molars, blah, blah, blah. We know exactly what the target is. But when it comes to voice quality, it's all about, oh, just imagine that your mouth is somewhere in your chest, right? And that's... <laughs> It's about as close as we can get. It's quite difficult. So I want to know if there is really something that we do move, right, in our bodies. And I want to know how I could teach that without going into the metaphors. Uh-huh. Yeah, because that's usually where you end up. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I presume that you are like me and you're like, oh, yeah, I think there's something else there that we need to find a way to measure so that we can find a way to teach so that people can find a way to learn. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, because there is yeah. something else intangible there that's going on besides where you put your tongue or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. One thing I'd like to see is whether we can compare. Of course, we can compare, but whether there is a real difference in Russian voice quality because I've been mm. teaching Russian speakers and I really do like comparing to different settings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. When I teach American accent to Russian speakers, I say that here's what we've got in our native language and this is what we need and this is the way to get there, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What we want. Uh, so I'd like to do the same with the voice quality. Awesome. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Helping people in a way that it's really difficult for us to help them. I think right now, because for me, that's usually the final stage. Nobody starts off thinking about placement, usually, unless it's something right. they notice, if they happen to notice. But yeah, usually you arrive at that place and you say, OK, everything else is good. What now? I hear you when you say vocal quality, but also quality is kind of like good, bad, right? I feel like there's this sense of positive and negative there. But really what we right. mean is like there's something happening, right? Like when we, what I mean when we say quality, like, oh, high quality. Yeah, when I say quality, of course, I mean yeah. just the features, right? Mm -hmm. Not mm -hmm. feedback. Actually, we've just, I've been building this school and we have some guidelines how to give feedback to mm. students. We avoid words yeah. like good or bad, right? Uh, we say this is precisely American or yes. you're a little bit off. It's mm -hmm. not exactly American what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not yeah. saying this or you're not doing it. Yeah, because that's what we're often taught. That's how we grow up thinking good, bad, positive, negative. But yeah, it's really more subtle than that. I hear you about the terms. That was the first thing that I thought of when you said quality. I'm like, no, no, I know that's not what you mean. <laughs> but just to put that out there, we mean like, yeah, we mean like features. We mean what's going on kind of mechanically or like you mentioned, mentally, how can I picture that? 
right, to get the job done, to get those articulators or whatever to do their work. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. I love, I love what you're working on. I want to hear more about it when you've got some more to tell us. And you said that today we wanted to talk about my favorite subject, stress and intonation. And what's the connection there? We're also going to talk about something you want to call a staircase format, which that's how I picture it too, a staircase format, and also content words and stress, right? So first of all, intonation for me is like my favorite thing, because again, it's this intangible or intangible thing, kind of like placement, kind of like whatever else is going on there with the voice that is very cultural, right? It can be very also very personal as well. And I think if you want good intonation, you've got to start with a good basis of stress, syllable stress, word stress, and then intonation, because a lot of those skills kind of overlap in general. What are your thoughts about these things? Yeah. So intonation and stress are totally connected, at least in the American accent. We have to realize if you're coming from a different language and you have a different system, you have to realize that in American accent, the so-called general American accent, right? <laughs> in England, yes. basically, I think you can say that about the entire language and all the varieties, right? Most of the varieties. But let's not say all varieties, right? Because it's dangerous. But <laughs> most varieties of English do have that feature that the stressed syllable of the stressed word is mm. going to be a little higher in pitch. Mm-hmm. And that's your intonation, right? Because your intonation is the change of your pitch, right? How the movement of your Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we're going to get to more staircase ideas in general, but there's a hierarchy there. And so I think a lot of people think of it as kind of like an on-off switch. Either it's stressed or it's not, but actually there are layers in there that we have to remember. Even if a word, let's say, is not stressed and it's multisyllabic, it's still going to have some stress in there, but it's still not going to be quite as high. So it's it's an interesting thing to wrap your head around and maybe to visualize. How do you like to teach this? Do you visualize things? Do you do a lot of listenings? What's your way to kind of get people into the same mindset as you? Oh, visualizing is a big deal, I think, for adults or grown-ups. We really like pictures, really like to see what's happening. So I do show pictures with staircases or just lines, right, and words mm-hmm. and lines, and then we have a hierarchy. Uh, and one more thing that I do use with my students is I use Prod, the Prod program yep. that's for speech analysis. It's a hardcore phonetics mm-hmm. program, right? We don't use all the features. We only need one feature there for intonation, the fundamental frequency tracking. So the good thing is you can either upload a file and analyze it and see the pitch visualized on your screen mm-hmm. or you can record yourself and see yes. what you're doing because sometimes people need to see what they're doing before they realize what they're actually doing right they will think oh my pitch is going up and actually it's going down and they will see that one person i worked with and i didn't know this about the specific language of catalan and i don't know if you know catalan but it's one of the languages spoken in spain it's something yeah. between french and spanish if one of those you will understand a part of it, right, without mm-hmm. actually learning the language. Yeah, but there's this thing that I didn't realize, and how he explained it to me is that when he does, let's say, syllable stress, because they have syllable stress there, even though it's not in the same rhythm system as us, but they do stress some syllables. So his stress syllable is longer in duration. It is louder in volume, right? The intensity is louder, but the pitch is lower. So it took okay. me the longest time to figure this out. When he would stress a syllable or stress a word, it would be sticking out in two out of three ways. But then the pitch would drop. And this is a man we're talking about. And I didn't quite understand what I was hearing. So instead of saying syllable, he would say syllable, syllable. And so all of his words and his, well, his word stress and his syllable stress was such that it was like almost there. But there was something off and it took forever to kind of figure that out. But then finally, when we did, I said, aha, this is like the missing puzzle piece. And every once in a while, he'll slip back into that. And it's like, wait, what's off here? So for me, those two things are linked very much. And when one of them is off, it can be kind of hard to find it. But then once you do, you can make those adjustments. So for him, I think visualizing was really, really helpful, really helpful. And also kinesthetically, he would kind of figure out where to put his hands and see if he could match the pitch with his hands. I'm super kinesthetic in learning, but also very visual too. So it's nice to hear how you kind of connect that and make it click with people because I feel like it's difficult to do. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. It depends on the person, of course. And actually, this discussion brings us to a very important 
concept. We do have syllable stress in most languages, in most world languages. If you're coming from a different language, it's very likely you're going to have stress in that language, mm. but it might be manifested differently. So you have to figure it out. You have to figure out what exactly stress is in your mother tongue and mm -hmm. in your target accent. Mm -hmm. My Russian speakers, I usually ask them, how do you think stress is manifested in your mother tongue? Mm -hmm. And they will say whatever they think it is, right? And then we'll compare Russian to American accent and they will see what different and how. Because you can't just say, hey, you have to stress it. We have to explain how we stress things. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, will, they will drop the pitch if they just do it just like everyone in Russian, right? We don't mm -hmm. break the pitch as much. We do sometimes, but not as many times per sentence as mm -hmm. in I mean, they actually, they don't like it at first. It's awkward to do that. So we have to deal with that awkwardness. Yeah. But now it's important to realize the difference. Mm, yeah. Who's speaking out of my mouth right now? Sometimes it feels really weird. And even if somebody says, no, 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 that's good. That's nice. That sounds much more closer to what we're trying to get here. But it still feels weird. So you have to kind of do it quite a lot before it's going to feel natural to you. And you're going to accept that as part of your code switching routine. Yeah, totally. Because we like to group these things as like, oh, here's a language which does stress and here's languages which don't. And let's put them into categories. But it's a huge continuum. And it's not just one thing. It's not off and on. It's not black and white. Oh, it's stress. It's not stress. It's more like how. How do we manifest stress? And I imagine, I don't know if this is the case, I imagine that in some languages, how you might stress, let's say, a syllable might even be different than how you would stress a word, right? Those applications might be different as to how you might intonate something as well, a phrase or something like that. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but that just occurred to me like, oh, maybe that's true as well. Yeah, there is one thing that I do teach. Can we move on to the next concept? I think it's very relevant. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we can jump around. The, the idea of a staircase. So there is one thing I've heard about staircase, I think, first for the first time when I barely started accent coaching. I was not mm -hmm. as good. I was a newbie. Yeah. And I think I found that and there is this very famous Anne Cook's book. And of course, yeah. I think yeah. she broke mm -hmm. it down nicely and she talked about staircase. But there is one thing that I don't know whether I missed it in that book or it was not emphasized enough. But sometimes the thing is, sometimes it's just one step. Right. It's more like a glide. Right. And sometimes it's really a step and it depends mm. on how many syllables, where in the word the stress occurs. So it's interesting. So when you say, for example, you say no, no, you go up and down. Mm -hmm. Right. It's all packed in one syllable. Yeah. One glide it doesn't break into step. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's one thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you say I don't like, know. what if you're angry and you say, no, I didn't. Somebody says, you told me to come here on Saturday. You say, no, I didn't. Step, step, step. To me, that's a really clear jump. Exactly. And it's not smooth. Mm -hmm. It breaks into real steps. They're not connected by gliding. They're hard for it. You can pick a disyllabic word. Disyllabic means there are two syllables. And the first syllable is going to be stressed, like clever. Yeah. Clever. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There is no glide. It depends, right? I yeah. wouldn't say that it's very important to everyone to realize that because some mm -hmm. people will, well, will just pick it up and mm -hmm. easier. they don't have to realize that. But for some people, it's really important to first see what's happening and second, learn how to do that with their mm -hmm. own mm -hmm. pitch. Yeah. Some people are musical enough to do it without thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I was just thinking of your example like clever, clever, right? But yet I can combine that as well. And maybe I take one of those syllables. Let's say I'm talking to a child where I tend to intonate more. I'm going to say, oh, you're so clever, clever, clever. Yeah. And I might, I might glide a bit in one <laughs> syllable and I might drop the whole thing in the next syllable. Yeah. So I can do both as well. We can totally go down the rabbit hole, I think, all day on that. So there's this connection between, let's say, syllable stress and word stress. And now, tell me what your thoughts are between the connection of syllable stress, word stress, intonation. How can we kind of globalize all of them? What would you say that they share or don't share? Okay, so they do share pitch change. Oh. That's how 
stress is manifested in bit change. So we have to deal with that. Intonation, I think it's just a higher level in the hierarchy. It's more about pragmatics. Mm -hmm. Intonation tells your mood, what the purpose of the sentence, whether it's a question or a statement and what kind of question it is. Sometimes grammatically it's the same question, but you will imply different um it's going to be meaning. a little bit different in terms of the context and meaning, the pragmatics of yeah. the things. You can sound uh, more tentative or less tentative or more mm -hmm. assertive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and the same wording, the same question, mm -hmm. but using different intonation. Stress is going to be the same, but intonation might be different. Same syllables and the same words, yep. but in total is going to sound different. Yes. What's behind it is going to come through in a different way, right? Is this person being sarcastic? We don't change the syllable stress. We might not change the word that's stressed in the sentence, but the pitch change is going to tell me if you're serious, if you're not, if you're looking for an answer or you're just trying to tell me something. Yeah, to me, this is the most fascinating part, I think, of language. And would you say that in Russian, either culture or language and how that manifests how is intonation itself, just intonation, how is that different between the two groups of people, let's say, how we use it? Oh, I think, for example, in Russian, there are different types of questions, okay. there are different patterns for questions, mm -hmm. and sometimes they just don't match with uh, English patterns. If I ask you a question, have you seen that? Mm -hmm. So I'm stressing the word seen. And it's a question, so the overall pitch is raising, but uh, I'm going to drop as a content word. Mm -hmm. The most important word, I'm going to make it lower in pitch. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case in Russian. I'm not going to do that if I ask you the same question. Oh, how does it sound in Russian? Go up. Mm -hmm. That's very like default way to say that. Have you seen that? Mm -hmm. If I use just my Russian accent, my Russian pitch, I will say, have you seen that? Which is not necessarily wrong, right, in English, but it tells us something else or it asks us exactly. something else. So there's something behind it. There's almost like a little marked. bit of surprise in your voice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's marked, meaning that it's not the default way to say it. Yeah, yeah. If I just, let's say, I give you a recipe and I just teach you a default way to ask this question it's just going to be this right mm. have you seen that da 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 mm -hmm. da mm -hmm. and have you seen that it's more like i'm double checking mm -hmm. or i'm surprised or there is something going mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. meaning when you say default i think you mean more like i'm looking for an answer to this versus i'm trying to show you my surprise or i'm double checking right here right when yeah, you, when you say there's default, no emotion mm -hmm. there's no defining mm -hmm. very flat very flat and i think we really need to also learn the defaults really well. We have to have them automatic so that when we change them, we get all that extra stuff because otherwise we're missing all the extra information, all the surprise. Oh, I didn't know she was double checking. That might be something right. that I miss completely. So this is why I love, I love intonation so much, yeah. right? And I think there's a strong connection, which is why if your syllable stress is good, you've got the skills for that. And the word stress, you're kind of not halfway there, but you've got a really good foundation to get intonation because it's super complex and it can really help us connect, I think, better with people. Because if I know, if I know that you're double checking with me, then it conveys like a closeness that we have, right? I know you're trying to do this other thing with your words. Whereas if I don't pick up on that with people, maybe I just don't feel as connected with them, but I don't know why. So for me, it's about connection. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. If you don't use all those subtleties, right? You, mm -hmm. you sound a bit chaotic. So it's really important for non-native speakers, right, to learn that. Mm -hmm. But first, again, basics are basics. You can't mm -hmm. skip basics. You have to learn the default mm -hmm. sentences and how pitch should move in them. Yeah. And then you see how you can change that. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Notes. You have to learn them cold. You have to learn them really, really well so that whatever little change you make, you say, ah, I'm deviating from that default in this way. And that's what I'm saying, even if I don't know it, this is what I'm putting out there. And other people too, they're putting out stuff that you hopefully want to, and, and the opposite is true. Sometimes you want to hide those feelings. Sometimes you want to hide those intentions as well. So you can know kind of how to do that. So yeah, I think that that connection is super, super important. Tell us again about the staircase format and how you visualize that, the steps 
um, how things are maybe in one syllable versus two. Can you clarify that a little bit? So we talk about steps and glides, right? So we do mm. differentiate between two different types of pitch motion. Can you mm -hmm. see that? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so there is mm and mm. Mm -hmm. And that can be the opposite. It can, can be mm and mm -hmm. right? So it depends on uh, where in the word it's happening. For example, a disyllabic word that will have the first syllable stress, and we're going to have a statement, right? So we're not raising the pitch, and there is no up-talk, hmm. this so-called up-talk, when also, we yeah. uh, finish a sentence like this. Mm -hmm. It's called high-raising terminal. Mm -hmm. so let's say we don't do that, and we speak in a very assertive manner. So we'll say clever, woman, flower. They all have the same pattern. If your phrase is a question, your sentence is a question, and you finish with that word. Is it clever? Or is it a flower? That's a silly question. Uh, is it your flower? <laughs> Do you think she's a clever woman? For example, and you see it all boils down into the same pattern. Uh -huh, There's no difference. Uh -huh. Woman, flower, clever. Uh -huh. Now, let's say it's a disyllabic word again, two syllables. And uh, the second syllable is going to be stressed. Mm. See what happens. Hello. Mm -hmm. Or um, to do, it's not one word in terms of grammar, but technically in terms of phonetics, it's one word. We don't break it down into to and do. Hello. For you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, same pattern, but now we have a glide in the second syllable because yeah. the second syllable is stressed and we yeah. have to pack at this entire movement. We have to pack it in, in mm -hmm. one syllable. Mm -hmm. So we mm -hmm. have to resort to a glide. There's no other way to do it. Mm -hmm. If we want to ask a question and we're going to raise the pitch. Yeah. Uh, hello. Who's right? there? Who's there? Hello? Here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Report. Do you need a report? Mm, good one. Report. Mm -hmm. I'm going down and up. Mm -hmm. right. okay. Report. Up and mm -hmm. down. Right. Same idea, but they're mirroring each other, right? Questions mm -hmm. and statements, they're mirroring each other. Once you get those basics and you see how it works with different words, with different patterns, then it's much easier to move on mm -hmm. longer phrases and sentences. Let's just break it down. The word report. Let's say we have to uh, move a question, a general question, a question that starts with do or have or are or is, whatever auxiliary verb you want to mm -hmm. use. Uh, or you can say that it's a yes, no question. We have a statement or that type of question. So we can do two things. We can say report. That's going to be the last word of your statement. I need a report. Or I read the report. Report. Mm -hmm. That's a disyllabic word that ends in a stressed syllable. Mm -hmm. And we have to pack the entire pitch movement into the last syllable. Mm -hmm. So we have to use a glide. If we take the same word and we ask a question with it, a general question, have you read the report? Do you need a report? We do the opposite. It's just mm -hmm. the mirroring pitch motion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With mm -hmm. the down and up instead of up and down. Yeah. yeah. Port. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a glide again. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we can't do uh, a step here. We have this stress syllable and we have to intonate it inside that little tiny space there. Yeah, I think exactly. that's why it's so difficult. Exactly. And if it's not the last syllable that we need to stress, we just break it down that one syllable is going to be stressed and it's going to be high and bitch. Mm -hmm. And the second syllable is going to be lower in pitch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Break it. We, mm -hmm. It's not continuous. Mm, it's mm -hmm. not It's woman. Woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I believe that if you break it down like this, if you practice a lot, if you see how it works for you, and you see that you can guess how you're going to deal with each word, then you can move on to the next section, yeah. next chatter next yeah. whatever yeah, yeah. building those foundational skills we could say like a staircase building one step at a time and really being able to just rely on the fact that oh yes i know that this was what it was 
And now I can play with it a little bit more. I can glide up and down and I can kind of take it for a walk and I can get more meaning. I can squeeze more meaning out of this the more that I already know. Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes down to a lot of ear training and, and practice, 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 and really getting used to hearing those subtle differences. And like you said earlier, maybe using the help of some software to see the differences too, if you're having trouble just hearing them alone, which is totally logical, right? Because it's, it's kind of hard to hear those things unless you've had the training. And why would you have had the training if you didn't grow up in this language? So you can use some of that software to really see what's happening to the pitch, right? I think I had this one student. I remember that one woman who was asking questions. Uh, so we taught people to use the word, excuse me. Yeah. And the way she was saying, excuse me, it was kind of irritating. I couldn't understand. I, mm -hmm. I couldn't actually why was it so irritating? And then I opened her eyes <laughs> and I saw that she was doing something really weird with the pitch. Uh -huh. So it was like, excuse me, something like that. Mm. She did not realize that she was doing that. And then I said, hey, let's see. This is your pitch pattern. This mm -hmm. is what you're doing. And we need this. Wow. And when she saw this, she was, mm -hmm. oh, okay. Now I see what, like, what's happening. <laughs> and she could figure yeah, like I literally see what the sound's coming out of my mouth. I can see what they're doing, and then I can see how that's affecting somebody else. I could say, excuse me, with a different purpose every time. I could, I, maybe I want to be mean. Excuse me? Maybe I really wow. want to be excused. Oh, God, excuse me. There are many different ways that I could say this one little phrase that once she could see that, literally see it, then she could make the changes and match exactly what she was going for, I imagine. That's quite powerful. Absolutely. And yeah, one more thing. It might sound like a lot. Calculating how many syllables are in each word <laughs> that you're using. But actually, you're going to get the hang of it if you just listen. You're not going to have to count syllables eventually, yeah. right? You'll yeah. feel what's for, what you have to do. Mm -hmm. And there is one more cultural thing that I think it, it struck me when I realized that. Uh, it was my first year in the United States. I lived with five Americans in the same building, in the same flat like, apartment. Very useful for my English. I bet. And I we, bet. Well, we had our landlords just in the backyard, and we shared uh, the washer with them. And the washer broke at some point. And my, one of my housemates, she went there, and I went with her to talk to the landlady. And she said something like, excuse me, I was wondering if you could do something with the washer. This mode, it was very polite. And I realized, oh, like, no, I can't speak like that <laughs> for the life of me. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to produce anything like that. And now I totally can do it. No, I get that sense too sometimes and because now I'm living in Mexico. Sometimes I hear people speak in this way that to me it's like, that's kind of like a baby voice or if I have these certain connotations and I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. But being able to do that is getting you what you need, right? You need your washer fixed. And if you kind of developing the ability to say it in this way gets that done for you. Yeah, of course you want to have that skill. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. If you yeah. want to sound polite, right? Yeah. If that's the situation where you need to sound polite to get mm. what you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have to learn it. And maybe things escalate where like, okay, the time for politeness is done now. Then you need to know what that's supposed to sound like too and how to get the thing you need with a different tone of voice and who you're speaking yeah. to and how many times you've discussed this topic before. And there's a whole range of you can just be more effective if you have these tools as well. It's empowering to have all those choices at your disposal that you can pick the best tools at the best times because then you can say, well, I know it wasn't me. Because I knew how I said these things and I knew what was expected or what was helpful at that time. And then sometimes you can say, hmm, maybe it was me. <laughs> so to me, it's all about connection and how we're connecting with people. And this intonation thing is just a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. A iceberg. A related story about a Russian professor. Russian people, they sometimes come off as mean and or bored or mm. something. But it's not because they're this way, really. Mm. Yeah. Just their, their way to talk because our language is different. Students uh, in the United States, they uh, rate their professors. He was a math professor. He was a good professor. He was good at math, but he couldn't really communicate the American way with students. Uh, and he got his really low score. 
uh, and someone told him, hey, like, let's do something. There was a comment that he was kind of mean. And actually what he was doing, usually he would come to the class, just turn to the board and start writing. That yeah. was his way to communicate, right? He mm -hmm. was teaching the class, right? That's, That's his job, yeah. Once he had the score and he was told that you have to be a bit more friendly. So he would come to the class, turn to the class, say, hello, and then turn to the board <laughs> and start writing. So, Check. Uh, it's, there are so many things you can do about it. Mm. Intonation is one, just one piece. You can learn the language, right? Not the language in terms of the English language, but yeah. the politeness language. Mm. All the pragmatics right. that go along with that. Yeah. yeah, culturally, usually it's just a clash because our systems, just uh, just the patterns don't quite match. And so we don't recognize each other's patterns unless we know about them. And once we know about them, we can choose to do something about it. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of studies about... um People would rate, like you said, a professor whose first language was not English. And then here's the funny thing. So they would attend a class, right? And then they would take a quiz and the, they would get the questions right. But then they would take a survey and they would say that they didn't understand anything the professor said. That's clearly not true because you just took a quiz and you got 100% on the quiz. So there's this prejudice that we have sometimes that we think we don't understand something. But really, we do because the patterns don't always line up. And that's obviously very unfortunate for the person. But just knowing that, I feel like, makes it so that we can maybe bridge the gap a little bit better and hopefully yeah. communicate better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The first thing is to realize that you can work on it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not something obscure that, like, you don't know how it works. You don't mm -hmm. want to deal with it. You, mm -hmm. you will just live your life like this. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing you can change. It's not like that, right? You mm -hmm. can break it down mm -hmm. into very tiny pieces. Study those pieces. And it's not that hard when you have just that little pattern, yeah. just that glide or just that step or whatever. And then you take that little thing, implement that into a bigger phrase or a sentence. Yeah. And then it gets so much easier. This way. Yeah. We are running a school for Russian-speaking folks. Most of them are... American, uh, Canadian uh, residents, they need to blend in. And for that, we have a few courses. So one course, actually two of those are about articulation. Mm -hmm. First one is just very, very basic things about the vowels that we confuse mm -hmm. to E's, to S, to O's, right? That's how Russian people feel, right? That's mm -hmm. how they perceive them. Mm -hmm. uh, there are no E's. <laughs> there's E and there's E. Right? Uh -huh. So it's mm -hmm. just five pairs of vowels. And we do talk about consonants a little bit because you can't mm. uh, just talk about vowels without addressing consonants in some way. Mm. Uh, so that's one thing. The other course is just more profound, tiny details like flap T, dark mm. now, right? Mm -hmm. Things like that that are kind of not that important because it's yeah. still clear what you're saying, but mm -hmm. if you'd like and then you want to know those things. Yes. And we've got the stress and rhythm course. Oh, nice. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. This is what we study in that course. So we talk about the connection between intonation and stress. We talk about the rhythm of English. When it comes to rhythm, we have to talk about articulation a little bit. Because as we said, English is a stress time language, which means we're not going to measure that in any mm -hmm. way. It's safe to say that it's sort of the same amount of time passing between two stressed mm -hmm. syllables. Once, mm -hmm. Sort of, right? It's more it's complicated not, than that. Yeah. But it's safe to say that to make it clear for people. Mm -hmm. It's not for people. I didn't <laughs> articulate that. For, right? I just said for. So this is called reduction. When we say for, instead of for, the sound is just less articulated, less clear. So mm -hmm. to speak. Uh, and there is one more, uh, there is the O sound that is the most popular sound in American English. The funny thing is, if you use that correctly, if you say the syllables in a less clear manner, mm. Your entire speech gets more clear. Yes. Because yeah. you're doing what is expected, what other people expect you to do. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So the communication suffers when you do something unexpected and people have to listen closely. Mm -hmm. They will mm -hmm. 
what was mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. And you see, okay, I'm not as clear as I want to be. And sometimes, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think most Americans are not going to tell you that you're not intelligent. They will yeah. just smile and nod. And sometimes they will make this funny look that will make clear that something is not right. They're not going to tell you, hey, can you speak lower? Can you speak and- more quickly? Can you do this part quickly and this part slowly? They don't even know. They can't articulate what their expectations are. They just have these expectations, and when oh, those yeah, expectations are off, yes, yes, and then you get the puzzled look, right? And then, then you feel like, hmm. And hey, you don't know that, right? You as the speaker wouldn't know that unless somebody tells you, and that's why we're here. Like we're here to tell you these things that you don't realize is probably what's breaking down your communication, even if it's just a little bit, right? It's here's this magic key that you can do that makes people understand better and listen to you more, perhaps. Yes, that's awesome. So now you're having these classes and where can people find these classes? Is it your website? Is Instagram the best? Yeah, What's so the best way? My Russian accent with uh, two underscores is my Instagram. And I've got uh, this link in the bio that some people can't find, but that's the only way to... Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, or my Russian accent with hyphens.com. This is where you can find uh, information about my services. Um, some people say, isn't it a little bit unfair that we do talk about the norm, the American English norm or the uh, Southern Standard British English mm-hmm. or whatever? Is it fair to only talk about that and never talk about so-called accented, mm-hmm. different accents like Chinese accent or Indian accent, whatever mm-hmm. accent? I think that would be fair to create something to let native speakers do the job to understand non-native speakers better. That would be fair, but somehow uh, those services are not usually offered. Yeah, it's not that we can't or wouldn't talk about those things. It's that most people aren't looking, at least coming to us, I think, for those kinds of things. And those things are important too, but I think we also need to listen to what people want, and mostly what they want is what we're giving them, which is the so-called general American accent. What do most people say most of the time in these situations, or most of the people that you might be communicating with? Do you have a moment to talk about um, content words and stress as well? A lot of people are going to ask this question, right? And you might have this question in mind already. How do I choose which word I'm stressing? And the answer is there is a way to make it correct selection to select it in a way that a native speaker would do it mm-hmm. so what is content word we said content words mm-hmm. uh, the meaning of it is uh there is another term right there is the keyword or mm-hmm. you can say operative word in the acting world they use the term operative oh, yeah yeah so that's the word that bears the most of the meaning of the sentence mm-hmm. that's why you want to stress it. and that's pretty natural right just trust what is more important grammar words are usually not content words and you do not stress them but they're exceptions there are contexts yeah. where you will let's say a rule of thumb verbs nouns adjectives adverbs mm-hmm. usually they are more important so you will stress them they bear information pronouns uh all the auxiliary verbs all the function words yeah yeah function little prepositions words. off so those words are not stressed most of the time. So, for example, I have a question. That's the phrase. Uh, if I just say question, it's going to be clear that I have a question, right? If we just eliminate all the grammar. Mm-hmm. If, let's say, I don't speak English, I only know a few words, right? So, I will say question. That's going to be clear. If I say I have, that's mm-hmm. going to be very unclear. The question mm-hmm. is more important, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we are going to stress question. Or, can I ask a question? That's a phrase, a question, and it has the same content word, and it's stressed again. That's in a different manner, right? Mm. We go down and up because it's a question, because mm-hmm. it's a general, and as we said. As um, you said, context. Like, so, for example, here's a case where we said, like, oh, these little words, these function words, they don't usually matter. But we can usually envision a context where, yeah, maybe. Here's an example, example. right? For example, yeah. can I talk to you? If I put it this way, it's going to be clear that... There is no choice who I'm going to talk to, right? So talk is more important here. But I can say, can I talk to you? Mm -hmm. Or can I talk to you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So that will have a different meaning. 
it's going to mean that there are options. Sometimes maybe I want to emphasize that this because I'm mad mm-hmm. to you, my dog. Yeah, suddenly I feel a little bit nervous. Like so, or can I get you anything? Right. So, for example, we're at the office mm-hmm. and I'm going for for a coffee. I'm gonna get mm-hmm. like coffee for everyone. And can I get you anything? Mm-hmm. So anything is not gonna be stressed. It's yes. a pronoun. Get is more important because we're talking about me going somewhere, getting you stuff. But for example, here's a kid, and I'll tell the kid that I can get you anything. And the kid will double check. Can you get me anything? <laughs> yes, yes. Anything. Anything. <laughs> anything is more important because the kid is double checking whether it's everything he would imagine. Right? That makes a difference. This is how context affects the choice. And when we make little mistakes in there, sometimes that can just be funny and we can pass it off. But sometimes there could be a, a discord in the meaning there, right? Like... He wants to give me anything. So it could be funny or it could be real miscommunication, depending on which word it is. And understanding the context in which we need to kind of modify what we're stressing there. So that's another reason why I think it's super interesting just to know, like, know the basics really strongly. And then you can add to those little skills bit by bit by bit and be better understood and understand more people. And I think it just enriches your life to know more about these things. Because, yes, it's to me, it's like. Like, yeah, you can get by, you can sound a little bit robotic, and maybe that's okay. That's how you live your life. But to me, it's the difference of having a life kind of in black and white versus having a life in color and really seeing all of those things. And people who actually live in the States, so for some people, it doesn't matter. For example, Hmm. they're coders or people who don't have to talk to people a lot, to others a lot. So probably for them, they will say that this type of training is a weird idea in general. But some people work in sales or management and they do meetings a lot. They uh, have to manage a team, for example. Mm-hmm. I have some team leads uh, among my students. And they do need to be, first, they need to be very clear. Second, they need this energy and confidence yeah. to manage people. Mm-hmm. I had this client who couldn't find a job for a long time and she had a really really cool combo she had gotten an mba mm-hmm. and her first career she was in i think she was a doctor so it was like a combo of uh, marketing and medicine so she would rate at pharmaceuticals for example but she can find a job and mm-hmm. the problem was when i had the first needs analysis with her and it was very clear why she couldn't get a job because she wasn't intelligible even for me. Wow. wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I deal with uh, Russian speakers a lot and I speak Russian myself, so it's easy for me to understand yeah. that Russian accent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she was, she was really unintelligent. I think no one will tell you this uh, in the job opening when they write down the requirements. They will probably say that you need to speak English, but they will not tell you that you have to speak English uh, in a certain manner. Mm, what you need to do with that English and how, like, what are yeah. your expectations yeah. there? If language schools, for example, they will tell you, hey, we need native-like pronunciation. Mm-hmm. And uh, job openings for other positions, probably they're not going to say mm-hmm. that, but they will keep that in mind. And when you come to an interview, if they can't understand what you're saying, that's going to be a problem, right? Yeah. They, even if you are great at what you're doing, they will hire someone they can understand. Mm-hmm. And next level of that, too, is maybe I understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, but I'm always a little bit ambiguous about your meaning. And maybe yeah. I can't connect with you and I don't know if you're being sarcastic or, like you said earlier, if you're asking a question or if you're just telling me something. That's a higher level of communication beyond the words, but that that's often important and the job specs don't always tell you that. For example, I have a student. She's a programmer, right? She's a coder. She does great, excellent work. And she said to me, hey, okay, I've got to decide now. I'm getting pretty high up and I have to decide if I want to kind of do my own thing in programming and start my own company app, whatever, or if I want to kind of go into management. So sometimes those needs, I think, change. So maybe you were coding and you were fine by yourself and just sending emails, but now maybe your needs have changed or will change in the future. So you might want to go that extra step and be able to communicate people more effectively. 
Yeah, yeah what if you got bored with what you're doing, you want to get to the next level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you're stuck because of your language. And it takes time. It takes time to language. develop. That's something mm-hmm. really important. So you have these courses that you're offering right now. It's June 2023, and I'm running um, a monthly challenge course. And of course, this month we're talking about intonation. And next month also, because I love it. I could spend a lot of time on this. I think it's so important. It's my favorite subject. And I'm going to be running a free trial right now for anybody who wants to join the challenge this month. It's free. If anybody wants that, you can see the link down below in the descriptions. You just fill out a quick survey and I'll give you access to that challenge this month for free because I've just started it. And I run everything on my Discord platform. Where do you house, let's say, your community? I know you're on Instagram quite a bit, but when people join your class, are they meeting on Zoom? Uh, where, where do they meet? Oh, we have different platforms for that. So first, the course is stored on edvibe.com. Mm. But I think we're moving to the other platform called getcourse.io. It's a Russian-based platform, but that department is for English-speaking world. It's not based in Russia. So yeah, that's, I think that's the best on the market. Uh, it's delayed feedback. You launch a lesson, you do the exercises, sometimes it's listening activities, sometimes it's just record yourself and then you have to send it to us. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be all Telegram, uh, which is an analog of WhatsApp, but much better. <laughs> so uh, Telegram is where we communicate to our students. And yeah, we do meet on Zoom. Uh, we have the intro webinar. I Wait. usually greet students and mm-hmm. we set the goals and we talk about their needs. And then we meet up at the end of the course and recap what we've learned and what mm-hmm. was important, what they want to take with them. So yeah, that, that's how we do it. Yeah, that was my question. What's it like? Like, what's it like? There is it all? Some people do an all video course, right? Some people have feedback. Some people don't. Depends on the tiers. I think a lot of people kind of want to know that before jumping in. So that's why I wanted to ask yeah, you that. I'm a believer that feedback mm-hmm. is 50% at least. Because you need to know, uh, even if you're doing it right, you have to know that you're doing it right. Uh-huh, you have uh-huh. to have an approval from a professional. So we do have feedback. We have two, two different packages. Uh, one, it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. So you don't get everything checked. So we have example phrases in the beginning and in, in, like first line of the class is just a phrase that will have mm-hmm. a lot of target words, sounds. We usually ask people to record that uh, before they do anything and then at the mm-hmm. end and see the difference. Mm-hmm. And they can show that to their instructor. And we have three diagnostic analyses in the beginning, the middle, and the end mm-hmm. of the course. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, uh, that's checked for the cheapest package as well, right? So every awesome. student gets feedback on three lessons mm-hmm. that will have all the topics listed. Yeah. We just started doing this. We only had one run with that. Mm-hmm. And I really love the results because there are so many people who don't want to show everything they're doing, but they want a little bit of feedback. So yeah, that's yeah, perfect. Yeah. The other package is we just check everything. So mm-hmm. like every single thing you do, we're going to send your instructor and your instructor is going to listen to everything you've done and tell you what you got right, what you didn't really get yet and how to change it. And they will ask to re-record something. You will do it. They will check it again. So it's really mm-hmm. a lot of connection. And we are thinking about getting the third package that will include classes, like mm-hmm. online classes. But I don't think it's needed for everyone. For a lot of people... What they've done uh, with delayed feedback is already enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But sometimes people need more attention. So. Yeah, I think it depends on the person. So I'm doing a, this challenge right now. And that's very much like you're just you're challenging yourself, right? Can you do this thing every day? There's videos that you make. It's already a lot for some people. And then I right. have this other thing, which I call the feedback club. And like you said, feedback, that's what people need. So you come to the feedback club and you come to these times and you get the feedback that you need at that time. I'm with you in two things. Number one, I believe more feedback is always more, more is more, but also not everybody has time for that, right? Or they're not there yet. They're not ready. So I think that's good that we offer. Most people do need a connection with someone, Mm -hmm. right? Even if it's not personal feedback but it's just a challenge and it will prompt you to do something regularly mm. right that's mm. already a lot yeah. yeah just having someone uh who will tell you what to do 
yeah, hold your hand, motivate you, I'm here for you, I'm doing this for you. Yeah, absolutely. Like 100%, 100%. And so for me, my two favorite topics are intonation, number one, and you already mentioned the other one, which is schwa. <laughs> so I'm going to do challenges about both of those. So final thoughts for today before we say goodbye. If you wanted everybody to know, let's say one thing about intonation, what would that one thing be? Mm, that's a great question. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the best thing, but what's one thing you want everyone to know? I think what I usually tell people is that intonation patterns do not match across languages mm -hmm. pretty much ever, right? So you <laughs> have to look into it if you yeah. want to sound more native-like or closer mm. to people who live next to you. It's a thought that I don't think everyone has. Well, we presume. It's, it's clear uh, to me, so it must be clear to them, right? If it's clear to you, it doesn't mean that it's clear to everyone. Maybe you're giving off the opposite thing that you think, right? Maybe you think you're expressing this need and they're not picking up on it. So guess what? You're not going to get the thing you need because you were stuck to your patterns and you didn't know that they had different patterns. I did the same thing in Spanish and in French. And in the beginning, you don't realize that, oh, there's this underlying thing that can help me so much that I haven't even considered yet. So I'm so glad that you feel the same way. And for you, it's super important. And you have these ways to help people. And I love talking to you because we get to like nerd out a little bit and talk about these yeah. things that most people don't. And then we can put it out there and see who else likes these things. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I know you're super busy right now with your PhD, with your courses, with everything else that you have to do. So thank you so much for spending this morning. Well, for me, morning for you, I think afternoon slash evening yeah. with me today to talk about this for everybody. Yeah. First, thanks. It's, it's always a pleasure talking to you. It's just a blast. And to our listeners, first, don't let your language limit you. I think that's really important. Mm. And second, you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect. Mm, definitely not. Yeah, I think that's something that I've noticed in maybe it's cultural too, is that perfectionism can often get in the way of like just starting or just speaking and opening your mouth when like the way to get to this perfection, whatever that means for you, is to make mistakes along the way and get that feedback and get that help. Thank you so much again. We're here to help you guys. Contact us and we can make your life better, literally. And so we're going to say we're going to say thanks again and bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Bye.